Hi, Crime Sound listeners. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Ricky. And thank you again so much for joining us this week. We're so very excited because we get to tell you about another true crime. The case we will cover today happened in 2012. It's about a 16-year-old girl named Skylar Niece who was murdered by who she thought were her best friends. You might have heard it as it's a pretty well-known case, but we felt like it would be a great story to cover. And before we begin, we would like to credit our sources, which include Miko Sant from SkylarNeeseMurder.com, All That Interesting, Newsball, ABC News, and People Magazine, all which can be found on our website at CrimeSaladPodcast.com. Skylar was a beautiful girl with bright blue eyes, known to be energetic and was really a good kid. She was very bright in school as well, as she was about to be a sophomore and had a 4.0 grade point average, all while working after school at Wendy's. She lived with both of her parents in a small West Virginian town called Star City, just about nine minutes away from WVU. And for those of you that don't know, that's West Virginia University. Skylar grew up as an only child, along with her childhood friend who she met when she was just in second grade, named Sheila, who was also an only child. The two quickly became friends, even though they were about 20 miles away from each other. So we're assuming maybe they most likely kept in contact using Facebook or other social media sites. Well, their friendship actually got closer when Sheila moved with her mom to Morgantown in 2010 where they both went to the same high school at University High as freshmen. She moved to the area due to her parents' recent divorce. After her dad was in a horrible car accident, left partially paralyzed, which is sad in itself. Sheila was a really good friend of Skylar's. She would be the type of friend who would come over anytime, and because she felt so welcome at Skylar's house, she would just walk in without knocking. And basically, she was a part of the family. I feel like we could all relate to a friend or someone like this. Now, Sheila wasn't all that perfect. She was the loud, fun friend, but at times she could be really mean and controlling. There was just something about her where Skylar's other friends often avoided her when Sheila was around. But if you were in Skylar's shoes, what would you do? This is a girl who you've been friends with for a long time. Do you just completely ignore them or cut them out of your life? They had a pretty amazing friendship. That is until a girl named Rachel came into the group. Rachel was 5'8 with red hair. And really, Rachel wasn't a bad person. She was actually known to be a pretty good kid. She came from a good religious family and she had a lot of friends in school and was quite popular. And the three made a trio. And in some cases where three people are friends, it sometimes seems like the one tends to feel like the third wheel feels maybe left out. And that's what started happening here. And Sheila, as we mentioned, is very controlling. She's the leader of the pack. She's usually the one who makes the decisions on what they're doing or where they're going as the two follow behind her. 
Things weren't bad at first at all, really. They were they were tolerable to a certain point, other than the fact that Skylar was starting to feel more and more like the third wheel, where Sheila and Rachel would come to school dressed in similar clothes and take pictures together. This made Skylar feel excluded. Even though Skylar had other friends, it still felt messed up because the three were always together and they were best friends. And you may even be thinking, well, why wouldn't she just stop talking to them? Like, why would she just cut them out? She had other friends. And, you know, it would be hard at first. You would get over it. However, Skylar was a caring person. Sheila was an old friend since second grade, and it would be hard just to give that up. Rachel and Sheila both had boyfriends. They were both sexually active when Skylar just really wasn't ready for that or into that at all. Things really upset Skylar closer to when it was about to be their sophomore year. It was still summer in 2011 when the three decided to have a sleepover and alcohol was included and it ended in arguments between the three. While in the same room, Skylar sat awkwardly as Rachel and Sheila started to have sex. This situation seemed to ignite a small flame of anger that Sheila and Rachel had towards Skylar. And from the outside of the trio, everyone that met Sheila, whether it was Rachel's side of the family and friends or Skylar's friends, they would all sort of lean towards the same thing. Sheila was a really bad influence. However, Skylar's parents didn't really see this at first, but maybe Sheila acted differently in front of her parents. But Skylar did write in her diary and she wrote a few tweets on Twitter, which you can obviously tell that these were directed to Rachel and Sheila. And you can still see these tweets on her Twitter page. Her account is still active. One said, sick of being at fucking home. Thanks, friends. Love hanging out with you all too. Which she posted this on July 4th, 2012. Her very last tweet was on July 5th, saying, you doing shit like that is why I will never completely trust you. So there were a few red flags early on that kind of showed that Sheila was no good, and it possibly foreshadowed her intentions. There was a YouTube video that was recorded by Skylar of the three of them hanging out, where Sheila randomly asks, how would you rather die? That's not my pee. That's a great popsicle, dude. You remember when you said grape stain on the couch? Yeah. Yeah, but that was way over here because my, my butt got wet. You said it two times. Because my butt was freezing. Would you guys rather suffocate or get shot? Get shot. Shot. As, wait, it depends on where. Would you rather... In the head. Shot. shot. There would be no suffering at all. Eaten by ants or suffocated? Suffocate. suffocated. Drowning or suffocating? Suffocate. It's almost the same thing. I know, but it's not. So after watching the video, I kind of feel like maybe Sheila was embarrassed for them pointing out that she peed on the couch. You know, was this all just like a reaction? Like they kind of made her angry. So, you know, her real intentions started to come out. And this wasn't the only time that Sheila was curious about murder. And one time she asked a boy in her forensics biology class, what would be the best way to get rid of a body? telling him that they have to do something about Skylar, which is a pretty weird thing to ask someone, but maybe he just kind of took it as like dark humor or, you know, a joke. But why add Skylar's name to the question? 
Like, she was so specific. Either way, I think, you know, this kind of rattled him, and he went directly to Skylar and and told her what Sheila asked him. I mean, being that this was a forensic science class, I mean, maybe something sparked her interest. But again, like, why use Skylar's name? Like, I feel like this is something that kind of foreshadowed something she was already thinking about. And by the end of this case, you'll completely see, as all of these things add up to the point that Sheila is just a really evil person. It was July 5th, around 10pm, and Skylar just got home from working a really late shift at Wendy's. When she got home, she kissed her mom and dad goodnight, told them that she loved them, and she told them that she'd be going to bed. Well, late that night, Sheila and Rachel asked Skylar if she wanted to go for a ride and smoke some weed. Which, I mean, this was nothing out of the ordinary, it was kind of just something that they always did, you know, typical teenager stuff. She snuck out of her bedroom window and gets in Sheila's car, which is a silver 2006 Toyota Camry, and they leave, not having a clue to what Rachel and Sheila had planned for her, in that there was actually a shovel, fresh clothes, towels, and bleach in the trunk of Sheila's car. And even though the girls never showed any sign that they had something evil planned against Skylar for weeks before this night, With Skylar in the car, Sheila and Rachel drove 40 minutes to the border of Pennsylvania and West Virginia in a town called Brave, specifically to Morris Run Road. However, for Skylar, she would never think twice about this drive because Sheila's dad actually lived on the next road over from their destination, you know, a place that they've all kind of gone before in the past. Once they arrive, they drive about a mile down this dark road and it's very secluded. They park the car, and they all get out, and they decide to talk for a bit. And then Skylar decides to walk back to the car to get a lighter to smoke. As she turns around, the two girls count the three. They both take the kitchen knives that were hidden in their hoodies and begin to stab Skylar. Skylar tries to run, but she's then tackled to the ground by Rachel. And when Rachel tackles her, she actually drops the knife that was in her hand, and Skylar picks it up. Trying to fight back, she stabs Rachel right above her ankle, and she's fighting for her life at this point, but it's too late. As Skylar laid on the ground dying, the only thing that she managed to say to the girls was why. Rachel and Sheila literally stabbed their friend about 50 times, without any remorse as she kept asking them why as they watched her lay there and die. They planned to bury her in the area, but the dirt was really hard to dig up. It was really rocky soil, so they didn't bury her at all. But they moved her body under a tree and covered it with a bunch of rocks and branches, turning off Skylar's cell phone and putting it next to her body. They got rid of the knives and clothes that they were wearing, and they kind of washed up in a nearby creek. For anyone to do that at all, let alone to do it to your best friend, especially since Sheila was friends with Skylar since the second grade, it kind of just shows like how evil these girls were. The next day, Skylar's parents realized that Skylar was not home. Her dad went to check on Skylar, whose bedroom door was locked, and from the outside, Her bedroom window was wide open with no screen, and on the ground under her window was a bench. It looked as if she maybe snuck out. He called Sheila her best friend, asking where she could be. 
She said they were talking on the phone around midnight, but they never were together, playing things off like she had no clue. Mary, Skylar's mom, came home, and together they were trying to put the pieces together, checking the house for any signs of where she could have gone. But they were surprised to find that she left behind items like her phone charger, her toothbrush, and other important things she would never leave behind. They were just shocked and at loss, thinking maybe she ran away or maybe she was kidnapped. What teenage girl would leave behind her phone charger overnight? But they couldn't picture her doing something like this. Her manager from Wendy's calls the house and is asking about Skylar being that she didn't show up for work. And on top of this, she never missed a day of work. The worry for Skylar that she's probably been gone for a few hours and they didn't even know this whole time sends them into a panic and they call the police. When they get a call, and it was Sheila, explaining to Skylar's parents that she wanted to tell them what really happened and tell them the full story. Her and Rachel and Skylar went on a joyride for about an hour last night, and she admitted they smoked weed, came back home, but they dropped her off by their house at the end of the street before midnight. She specified that they never saw her enter the apartment, though, because they dropped her off at the end of a road not close to the apartment so Skylar could sneak back in without waking everyone up. When we all know what really happened. Maybe this made the parents feel a little bit better and possibly gave them some hope. They just had no reason not to trust Sheila and Rachel. But where was she? Initially, no one had a reason to question Sheila's story. Her confession to the parents seemed sincere, and she seemed to almost incriminate herself for the sake of making sure the parents had all the information they needed to locate their daughter. Sheila and her mom Tara came over to help Skylar's parents to find Skylar. Police were also called to report her missing, and they also helped with the search to find Skylar. Mary, Skylar's mother, remembered that security cameras were recently installed. So what makes this interesting is this is the first time anyone saw the security footage as the manager pulled the video from the camera that was recorded the night before. Sheila was there along with her mom, the nieces, and the police. What a shock would that be for Sheila, wondering if anyone would notice, actually picking up Skylar. Now, police see a little timeline issue. First of all, Sheila told Skylar's mom she dropped her off at home before midnight. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash crime salad. But she told police she dropped Skylar off at 1230 a.m. and included that she picked her up on a road that is not in the footage. 
So when police review the security footage and see Skylar getting into a car at 12.30 a.m., the same time Sheila said she dropped Skylar off, it was believed that what was seen in the footage was someone else picking her up, when in reality we know this was footage of Sheila picking Skylar up. It was probably a little hard to make out what was actually happening in the surveillance video because, for one, it was dark, making the video very blurry, and it was also grainy. Even the manager pointed out that the vehicle in the footage that Skylar was walking to looked to be like an SUV type, but in reality, the vehicle was not an SUV. It was a car. In fact, if they would have just looked a little bit closer, they would have realized that this was the same car Sheila drives, a 2006 Toyota Camry. But this was overlooked, at least at first. And it's also important to know, at this time, there were already rumors swirling through the neighborhood that Skylar overdosed at a party. So I think the police already had this in the back of their minds and assumed that Skylar must have left the apartment after being dropped off, went to a party where she overdosed on drugs, and the kids panicked and hid their body. And that was one theory. Could you imagine how scared Sheila must have been sitting there in the group looking at the car driving away with Skylar in it? knowing that was her car, and then realized after they all mistook it for an SUV? Wow, but at the same time, this is someone who is confident enough to think they can get away with murder. And during the investigation, Rachel didn't get involved at all with the investigation, never went to Skylar's house. Rachel was mentally breaking down from the police interviews, the kids at school harassing her about Skylar, Sheila felt like she was weak and was worried that she may reveal their very dark secret. When an investigator called Rachel, she acted as if she had no clue that Skylar was even missing. This is her friend who she was always with. How didn't she know? But when the investigator called, Rachel was at church camp and wasn't able to do any interviews at the time, but she agreed to doing them as soon as she got back but she never showed up for the first one. At the second attempt of an interview, they spoke face to face. While Rachel told her what had happened that night as if it was rehearsed, and this story was the exact same story Sheila told during her interview. Although it was suspicious, they weren't able to do anything more than that. Their story was they dropped her off at the intersection of Crawford Avenue and University Avenue. End of story. So the police really had nothing. They had some theories, and these two did seem suspicious, but they really had no other proof. They had the surveillance video, and they're going by their friend's word that, okay, maybe someone picked her up. So the police treated Skylar as a runaway, and no Amber Alert was issued because, according to the security footage of Skylar, she is seen getting into the car. She voluntarily got into the car. But her parents knew for a fact that Skylar never would run away. It just wasn't like her. There was just more to the story. I could just imagine how frustrating this would be knowing in your heart that she did not run away, something happened, and you can't do anything more than just rely on the police. And of course, we know they're definitely right. There was something more. If your child was missing, you would expect the police to do everything and anything in their power. But in this case, just was treated a little differently. Now, the case didn't get closed or anything. It just wasn't really going anywhere very fast. 
There were a lot of police that were still trying to look into this and following up on tips that they were receiving. And for Sheila and Rachel, they were still under police radar. Now, Sheila, she was completely involved with Skylar's investigation. She would call Skylar's parents to ask how the investigation is going and even tried to get more insight to what the police knew. It's like she was more interested in the investigation part than her missing friend. She was helping police and family pass out missing flyers, going around asking neighbors if they maybe saw Skylar at all or maybe saw her get into a car. How sick is that? How could she even go to bed at night knowing this deep evil secret? But an observant investigator on the case named Gaskins saw this and thought it was strange. Not because she was involved, but how she would involve herself. For instance, keeping Skylar's parents so close, getting as much information as possible about what they know, what the police know, and you think, who, what type of person could get away with this? Like, we know she killed her best friend. And a lot of people believe this could only be done by a true psychopath. And even another time, Sheila broke down crying on Skylar's bed, crying loud enough so Skylar's mom could hear how much she missed her. But this was all fake. Psychopaths don't have real feelings, but they do know how they should feel, especially in moments like this. This can make them really good at disguising things or manipulating any situation and everyone involved. And I think that's exactly what Sheila was doing. So Sheila always seemed to be in control. She always seemed to be just like one step in front of everybody else, even the police. But Rachel, on the other hand, she was beginning to have a real mental breakdown. And in one event, she began attacking her mother with a lamp before locking herself into her bedroom, screaming over and over that she just wants to die. That night, Rachel's mother admitted her into a psych ward, and she stayed there for seven days. And while she was there, Sheila began to really worry that she would eventually break and she tried to talk to her a few times through FaceTime and even tried to come visit her at the psych ward, but Rachel wasn't allowed any visitors if they weren't family. As soon as she was out, though, police ordered Rachel to take a polygraph test, which was ordered by an investigator on the case named Gaskins. He was the only one to pick up on the suspicious behavior of Sheila and the mental breakdown of Rachel. Things were starting to add up, making them both become real persons of interest at this point. It was January 3rd when Rachel was released from the psych ward, and she was soon interviewed by a federal polygraph examiner. It was during this interview that Rachel said the words, we stabbed her. And eventually, she told investigators exactly what happened the night Skylar went missing. So Rachel, the investigators, and her attorney drove in two separate cars to the spot. Once they got there, Rachel couldn't exactly pinpoint the location due to the amount of snow that was on the ground. But now they had a location and a confession from Rachel. So now they knew what happened to Skylar, but they could only really go off of what Rachel said. Deciding that they need more information, they decided to arrange for Sheila to visit Rachel. Before Sheila gets there, they bugged the room with a microphone and coached Rachel to try to get Sheila to say something incriminating. But Sheila failed to give the investigators what they were looking for. We can guess here that Sheila's attorney told her not to talk about the case at all with anyone, even Rachel. 
After Rachel's confession, police received a search warrant to confiscate all of the knives from Rachel's house and Sheila's car. A few months later, an investigator discovered a human skeleton under tree branches near the murder site. Six months have gone by since Skylar went missing, and the body that was found was in really bad condition. So investigators tried to keep their discovery low-key until an identity could be confirmed, but it was hard to go unnoticed, and local newspapers began to publish articles about the findings and how it could possibly be related to Skylar. Around this time, both Rachel and Sheila were both pulled from their school and put into homeschool to avoid all the attention they were getting from the case and the rumors that were beginning to circulate. And on March 13th, Skylar's identity was officially verified and her death was now made public. On May 1st, 2013, Rachel turned herself in and attended court, as it was previously agreed. She agreed to testify against Sheila in the trial. During this time, Sheila was eating at Cracker Barrel with her mom. Before any news came out that Rachel had been arrested, police swooped in and arrested Sheila in the Cracker Barrel parking lot. Once both Rachel and Sheila were both transferred to adult status, media was then able to post their names and the whole community and the students from their high school were absolutely shocked. During Sheila's court hearing, everyone wondered if she would plead guilty. And sure enough, as soon as Sheila sat down in front of the judge, and before the trial even began, she just started bawling. Rachel also pleaded guilty and apologized personally to the family and for her actions. Rachel was charged with second-degree murder and faces 30 years in prison with the possibility of parole in 10 years. Sheila was charged with first-degree murder and faces life in prison with the possibility of parole in 15 years. After the sentencing, a petition on change.org circulated the internet, capturing 5,759 signatures, trying to prevent the girls from getting out of jail early, and they just wanted to make sure that these girls served their full sentences. On June 2012, the Supreme Court had ruled that sentencing a juvenile to life without mercy is unconstitutional. So it looks like the girls will still be able to be released early, you know, on parole for good behavior. In April 2013, Sheila tweeted, we really did go on three, referring to the fact that her and Rachel agreed to begin stabbing Skylar on the count of three the night of July 6th. A lot of people think that the real motive for Sheila and Rachel killing Skylar was to hide the fact that they were in a relationship together. And we don't really want to go into too much detail about these theories, but many people also believe that Skylar could have been using their secret against them and threatened to share a secret video that she had of Sheila and Rachel doing sexual things together. It's known that Rachel came from a really strict family, so something like this was not something that she wanted to leak out. However, when the girls were asked why they did it, the only answer they were able to come up with was, we just didn't like Skylar anymore. Part of the reason police were so slow to act on the investigation is that when they saw Skylar enter the vehicle on the security footage, she seemed to be doing that willingly. So, crucial hours were lost because the police had to treat it as a runaway case, 
and not a missing persons case. Skyler's family made sure that the same mistake wouldn't be made again, and they pushed the state of West Virginia to modify their Amber Alert plan to issue immediate public announcements when any child is reported missing and in danger, regardless of whether the child is believed to have been kidnapped or a runaway. And even though it wouldn't have made a difference in Skylar's case, her family still hopes that this new law could save lives in the future. To honor their daughter, Dave and Mary transformed the site of her murder into a memorial. Dave often makes the 20-mile drive to visit. He said, Something horrible happened here, but I wanted to take the horrible things that happened here and try to turn them into something good. A place that people can come and remember Skylar, and remember the good little girl she was, and not the little beast that they treated her like. So this concludes this week's episode, and be sure to check out pictures of this case on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com, where you can see social media posts and pictures of Sheila, Rachel, and Skylar. You're also invited to join our Crime Salad Facebook discussion group, where you can post links to cases you think are interesting or share anything crime-related and meet other True Crime Salad investigators just like yourself. And feel free to bring a friend. And if you would like to help support Crime Salad, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us now. This really helps us move up in the charts so other listeners can get their hands on Crime Salad. And remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast, delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. All the blood left.